I mentioned last Sunday that our scripture readings in the month of February are readings that were selected with this season that we are now in in mind. And yet they are scriptures too that in many ways were selected for us. These are scriptures that are drawn from what is known as the Revised Common Lectionary. It is a gathering of readings that different churches use on a three-year cycle, crossing different denominations and traditions and nations. And so as I read the readings that had already been prescribed for these four Sundays in February 2022, I could not help but wonder if God knew what was coming. Last week we considered in the story of Isaiah's calling what it means to be called. Next week, we will understand a little better in an encounter that Joseph has with his brothers in Genesis, what it means to be surprised. And then finally, on Transfiguration Sunday, February 27th, we will consider the word gratitude. Today, though, we sit with the Gospel of Luke and ask ourselves, what does it actually mean to be blessed? Let us listen now as we hear God's word once more, hearing these verses from Luke chapter 6, beginning with the 17th verse. Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place, and a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch Jesus because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, Jesus spoke, saying, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, Jesus says, and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe, he continues, woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me once more in prayer? Good and gracious God, send your spirit once more that it might dwell on our hearts and shake something loose. Indeed, O God, we pray that through the unsettledness of your word, 
we might be drawn closer in our walk with you. Oh God, we pray that through your spirit, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight would be glorifying and pleasing to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The always sharp-edged and often hilariously funny United Methodist bishop and Duke Divinity School professor Will Willimon once remarked that had Jesus only stopped halfway through his sermon here on the plain, they might very well be the sweetest words he ever spoke. Blessed are you who are poor. Not me, God, but I am glad you are blessing them. Amen. <laughs> Blessed are you who are hungry, also not me, but I'm with you on this one. Bless them, God. Blessed are those who, who weep. Sounds good. Blessed are you when people hate you now or talking. We can get behind the first half of this passage wholeheartedly, can't we? But it's not where Jesus stops. No, Jesus keeps going. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you whose bellies are full. Woe to you who laugh and who speak highly of you. Couldn't we have stopped just a little earlier, Jesus? Right, if ever there was a mixed bag kind of reading, a mixed bag of both good and challenging news. This passage is it. I think it begs the question for many of us, what gives? Does God only love us when we are miserable? Before we can get to that question, though, I think it is important to acknowledge the fact that Luke, more than any of the other gospel writers, worries mightily. Boy, does he worry about the effects of material wealth on faithful living. To read through Luke's gospel is to read through a story that is potmarked, I guess we could say, with the pitfalls and the perils of prosperity. It's dangerous for us to simply ignore or try to explain away Jesus' hard words here for those who live in relative ease and comfort in this life. As I told the children, I think these words should confront us. They should unsettle us. They should maybe even make us a little miserable. Right? This is a strong word that Luke has about wealth and power about who holds it and how it is used. And in a different season, I think we might very well dive in to that aspect of this story. But today, I want us to sit instead with that question. Does God only love us when we're miserable? I think Luke's answer would be no. But Luke would say, sometimes it is only when we are miserable that we fully come to know how much God loves us. 
Now, when I say miserable, what I really mean is any time in our lives when we reach one of those points where we have absolutely no control. We have nowhere else to turn. As a culture and people who love to have control, any time we don't can often be the very definition of what it feels like to feel miserable. Right? And at their core, the first half of this, re- this reading, to be poor, to be hungry, to be heartbroken, to be reviled, it is to be powerless, no? But sometimes Luke seems to be saying in attaching those characteristics with blessing, sometimes Luke seems to be saying it is only when we encounter powerlessness that we are finally free to rely on the one who is all-powerful. Only at those points, Jesus seems to be saying, that we can truly discover the meaning of blessing. Right? Think about some of those stories in Luke about wealth and prosperity. There's the rich man and Lazarus. There's the dishonest manager. There's Zacchaeus, the tax collector. When we get to Zacchaeus, we find that here is a man, a corrupt man, but a wealthy man, who only finds peace who only finally receives God's blessing when he replaces at last his reliance on earthly power and position with faith in Jesus Christ alone. Sometimes it's only when we encounter powerlessness that we are finally free to rely on the one who is all-powerful. I have a friend named Howard who serves a church similar to our church, at least in size and demographics. It's a church in relatively rural, east-central North Carolina. Howard had an experience one day last fall that he quickly wrote down and sent around to a few of his friends, including me. Howard lives right across the street from the church he serves, and so he had walked out the door that morning, he sent the email to take his 100-yard commute across the street to his office. And when he stepped out the door, he saw this giant street sweeper slowly moving up the street. Now, Howard's got a three-year-old, and so he popped back in the house, and he told his three-year-old to come out. And together, they sat there on the porch, and they watched the street sweeper making its way down the street. And to their surprise, the street sweeper came to a clear stop and it turned off and the operator climbed down out of the big truck and walked up to their porch. He said to Howard, now are you the pastor of this church over here, over his shoulder? And Howard said, yeah, that's, that's me. Howard noticed that he had a, a city uniform with a name tag uh, sewn in that said Harrison on it. Howard went to shake Harrison's hand, but Harrison grabbed him and pulled him into a bear hug and began crying on his shoulder saying, you prayed for me. Howard was taken aback about this at first, but as the man embraced him, it clicked who this was. Howard's a bit of a character too, so he was sure to remark that this man had the thickest country accent you have ever heard in your life. You prayed for me. This was Harrison Jones, 45 years old. Earlier in the year, back in the winter, really, of 2021, he had been diagnosed with COVID and he had a bad. He got sent to the hospital and then elevated to the ICU and eventually was placed on a ventilator for multiple weeks. 
Now, some of Harrison's co-workers in the city office attend Howard's church, and they had asked him to place Harrison on the church prayer list. And so Howard had indeed been praying for this man, though he had never met him for weeks at this point. When Harrison finally let go, he explained to Howard that, you know, he had only got back to work a few days earlier. He was about 70% or so, he said, of what he was pre-COVID, but he had made it his life's mission to go around town and tell everyone his story. He wanted to tell everyone his story for two reasons. He wanted to encourage people to get the vaccine so they didn't have to experience what he experienced, but he also wanted to tell everyone that he was a walking miracle and that God gets all the glory. I'm a walking miracle and God gets all the glory. Howard put this little note at the end of his email to us with his own reflections on the experience. And he wrote, Harrison is one who has come to know the power of God and powerlessness. Harrison is one who has come to know the power of God and powerlessness. He knows the transcendent living God because he almost lost his life, Howard wrote. And now it means so much to him that not only will the sight of a pastor who happened to pray for him bring him to tears of joy, but he's going around to share his story with everyone so that they might not have to suffer the way he did. Harrison is one who has come to know the power of God and his powerlessness. Have you all ever felt so powerless? that the only power left to rely on is God. Right? I think about some of the parents here who have had the experience of that long, lonely drive home with an empty car after dropping your oldest off at their freshman dorm for the first year of college. Or maybe some other parents here who have had the experience of watching their youngest disappear around the corner after they just backed out of the driveway for the first time by themselves. Because someone in power had the insane idea to issue them a piece of plastic. think of others too though who have had that experience of watching their their loved one disappear as the doors close behind them on the day they finally worked up the courage to ask for help and to check in for treatment i think of all of you who have heard a doctor say there's really nothing left we can do or those of you who have got that dreaded phone call in the middle of the night. I think of all of us who have said yes and stepped into that great vast void that is the unknown of a new job or a new call. Now, I would never try and make 
a connection between a disease or the loss of a loved one with a community in a time of transition. But there is an element for a church like ours in this season of powerlessness. We no longer have the power of assuming what the next day or the next month or the next year will or will not bring. Harrison. Harrison is like us. He is one who has come to know the power of God and his powerlessness. As I read Howard's words again this week, it occurred to me that, you know, Jesus might have said it a little differently. I think Jesus might have simply said, Harrison Jones was a blessed man. Friends, I wonder, I wonder what Jesus will say about us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.